Well, it's time. It's time for another episode of the Armchair Survivalist. My name is Kurt Wilson, the Armchair Survivalist, and today is March the 22nd in the year 2020. Welcome to my show. If you go to armchairsurvivalist.com and you scroll down, you will see at the bottom of any of the pages there a whole list of different ways you can listen to me. Everything from iHeartRadio, Wayback Machine, YouTube, as long as they don't take me off. Uh, I have hundreds and hundreds of my shows up on YouTube, and I just got notified last week that they they deleted one of my shows uh, because it didn't suit their content uh, requirements. This is the show I did in, in 2017 on the truth about Israel and the Jews, and it was all history. There was no personal evaluation. It was just history. Well, they took it off. That's the only show that they've taken off out of hundreds of them that I put up. Anyway, you can listen to my chat room, armchairsurvivalist.com. At the top of the page, you'll see listen in the chat room. Okay? Click on it. Go there. Guess what? You're listening. You can uh, listen on any any uh, podcasting venue. I don't care what it is. I'm on it. All of them. You can listen on your satellite system, Global Star 3 satellite. It's uh, Galaxy 19. You can listen uh, on your phone. Uh, just dial area code 641. 741-0371. That's 641-741-0371. There's different ways you can do it also. Uh, listen, at the uh, top of the page, you will see it. something that says, listen 24 hours a day to the most recent show of the Armchair Survivalist. Click here. Do so, and you'll hear it. On the left-hand side of any page, you'll see the little uh, white nipper dog listening to the RCA Victor Gramophone. Click on that, and you will see my latest shows for the whole year. Uh, just find one you want to listen to and, and uh, click on it or download it and save it for later. Okay, I want to get some business out of the way for my company, Survival Enterprises. Uh, you, you probably already know that we carry a bunch of different knives, cold steel knives. They're very, very strong. They're a working man's knife. They hold a good edge. I also carry the cold steel defensive walking sticks or canes. I don't mean the ones with the swords and the handle. I mean, these things are, well, these are what uh, Irishmen would call a beat-down stick. Very nice. Looks good. Approved by the TSA. What more can I say? We still can't take credit or debit cards, so we can take your checks over the phone. If you want to buy something, you give us a holler, or you just fill out the form online, just like, you're, just like you would anywhere else, and, and uh, we will call you and get your check routing number and account number and the check number you want to use. And if, This is all approved by the banking system, and, and we're authorized to do this this way. And we take all the cash we can get, of course. I'm not, I'm not worried about virus on the cash. As you know, or maybe you don't know, Survival Enterprises carries carries three items that are have been proven antiviral. They've been proven to uh, aid you uh, if you get uh, a virus. And we've just been informed by our formulators that when we're out, we're out. They cannot get anymore. The ingredients are imported, all of them. And I don't mean from China. I don't sell anything here from China. The daily, uh, the ultimate daily vitamins. We can't get anymore. When they're gone, they're gone, and I don't. I think we have maybe a dozen of those left. The immune boost that product is stronger than Cipro, and when it's gone, it's gone. And also oregano oil. Those are all uh, limited now. You and you may only buy one of them. You can only buy one at a time. And when they're gone, they're gone. And I hope everybody that's listening to me was smart enough to stock up on this stuff before you need it. Now we have we have the only water filter that takes out the coronavirus. And we have maybe a dozen of them in stock. These are not the, the Daltons or the Aquaceras. These are these are Sawyers. They're they're called the 0.02. 
and they're for, they're used in Africa right now. There's tens of thousands of them there. Basically, what you do is you get a food grade water bucket, five gallon bucket, or actually, I've seen them do this with a with a seventy five gallon garbage buck, uh, uh, container. You drill a hole in the bottom of it, and by the way, the bit comes with it, and then you plug in and and hook up the the hose and the filtering unit. It's a it's a standard handheld Sawyer filter. It's a large version, but the nice thing about this, yes, it does filter out everything, all bacteria, all pathogen. Just name it, it takes it out. But it's also back flushable, so it'll last the rest of your life. We've got a, a limited supply of those in right now, and they're $150 a piece. And, and by the way, those of you who are out there who are busy and worried and concerned about toilet paper, do you know what a bidet is? I already talked about different ways that different people all over the world clean their backside. In America, everybody's freaking out because they got to have some Crown Zellerback to wipe their butt with. Get a bidet. I found one. It's a toilet seat. It replaces your toilet seat you have, and it has uh, water that squirts up that cleans you and some of them. Well, let me tell you the one I have. The one I have has a directional water spigot, and, and it comes out after you're done doing whatever you're doing. You push this remote control that this thing comes out and squirts heated water on your backside to wash it off. And in fact, if you want to, you could have it do a scrub. So it'll go back and forth, back and forth. And it does, nothing ever touches you except the water. And then when you're all done with that, you push another button and you got a little blow dryer down there that just dries your bottom off. That's a bidet. You don't need toilet paper. And it cost me about $250, I think, on eBay. There's all kinds of different ones out there. If you don't want heated water or a heated seat, like mine is also, then they're a lot cheaper. So that's just, you know, word of the wise, just want to tell you about that. All right, listen, I got to, I got to, all the research I've been doing, and I've been doing, as you all know, I've been, I've been on the air for well over 20 years, and I do research, and I've been doing lots and lots and lots and lots of research, and I'm starting, and I, what I do is I do my research from my viewpoint, right? And I do my search, and then I take another viewpoint. In other words, I step out of my body and move about three feet to the left, or right, depends on my mood. I look at the data that I've accumulated from that viewpoint. What I've found, what I've decided, this is a complete setup. A month or so before all of this coronavirus, this Wuhan virus crap hit, the, what what the communists call the one percenters, the powers that be, I don't care what words you want to use to describe these people, they ran a test, they, they ran a scenario of this exact, and I stress exact thing happening. So they were training for it. They were planning for it. This whole thing is a setup. Yeah, the disease is real, okay? But we all know that's, that disease was created. It was a man-made creation. And we all know that the, the stock market's taken a beating massively. I mean, almost all the pluses that Trump has been able to create in the time he's been in office are gone. The value of the 30 largest stocks, they're dissipating like crazy. We're talking going down 20% and more. There's going to be, there's food shortage right now. And people are mistakenly thinking there's a food shortage because people are hoarding food. That's BS. And you're going to hear about this later on. I've got a clip that I recorded from a guy that does it. He has his own podcasting called the Ice Age Farmer. You're definitely going to want to hear that. Actually, you're not going to want to hear that, but you're going to hear it. This stuff is all being manipulated. And then fear is massively being spread by the mainstream media. They are evil and pathetic. This is set up. This is set up so that governments, city, county, state, and federal, can give themselves the power to force you to stay at home, to shut down businesses, to bankrupt companies, bankrupt people, 
Basically, what they're doing is destroying your ability to take care of yourself. And what's going to happen is you're going to be at the behest of the federal government or city, county, state, federal. You're going to be controlled by them. They're going to tell you where to go to get food, where to go to get water, where to go to get your vaccinations, where to go to get health, where to go to get your check from the government. They're going to tell you all of this stuff. They're going to shut down cash. They're going to they're going to push this fraudulent concept that who knows there might be the Wuhan virus on that $20 bill. You better not take it. Just take their their credit card or their debit card. Well, businesses like me are SOL because we can't take credit cards. We've been in business 35 years. And just because I sell CBD, the banking institutions, which are controlled by the pharmaceutical institutions, said cancel this credit card. So I, I can't take credit card. That's why. So this is a manipulation to gain full control of the population. And unfortunately, there are so many people in the United States now that never grew up having to be self-sufficient, never grew up even knowing how to change a tire or a light bulb for that matter, and grew up in the public school system to where they were trained to be good little drones and to believe everything their God, the, the government, tells them. I know you have meet, meet them. You, you meet them every day. They, they're, they're the ones that say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going out to get my flu shot. It's free at Walmart. Or when they see the police beating up an 80-year-old man who maybe weighs 100 pounds, they say to the guy next to him, well, I wonder what he did to deserve that. We have sheeple in the United States that are falling for this and are going to fall for this. And it looks like there's nothing that we're going to be able to do about it because the governors are giving themselves so much power that they're ordering 100% close closure of all businesses, like in New York, ordering all businesses to close. Trump was asked about this. One of the pinhead communist multi uh, mainstream media reporters asked him, are you going to shut down the United States? And he truthfully said, look, what's happening in New York City is not happening in uh, uh, Jackson, Wyoming. What's happening in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Seattle is not happening in uh, northern Idaho. So we, we, we can't do that. We, it's, it's not logical for us to do that, which doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's not going to get done. It just means that Trump right now isn't going to do that. And the governors just might do that. There's a lot of rumors coming out of Washington, the city, the, the, the state Washington, which is just west of me, about 20 miles, that they're going to put uh, blockades against on the roads and, and block people from coming and going into the state. Well, they can't. We, the it's the it's called the the roads called the interstate, meaning it's a federal federal uh, highway. So states cannot block federal highways except in times of insurgency or uh, disease. They can set up checkpoints like they have checkpoints here coming out of Washington and Idaho for invasive water species, whatever that is. Just mark my words. Once a government has taken power and rights from their population, from their people, they have never voluntarily given it up. They maintain it. And this this could be Trump's 9-11. It's not going to be his fault in any way, shape, or form because he has... He has um, guidance, quote unquote. He has these experts around him that, that help him, tell him what to do and what should be done. And, oh, this has to be done and all this and that. And, and then you have the communists in the House and the communists. And I, and I mean communists. Democrats, are, they, they, I, it's an insult to the word Democrat for them to call themselves that. They are pure communists. They want one world government. They want one group of people controlling the rest of the planet. 
And that's what they've been pushing for. They, they want to eradicate everything that has to do with integrity, uh, self-sufficiency, morals, ethics. And they want it all controlled by them. Of course, you know, they're the ones that need to, need to be the ones in control. So I'm just telling you guys, you're going to have to balance this all out in your mind Yes, the, getting hungry is real. It's not make-believe, but it's, this is all contrived. The people behind this, when this is all over, if we come out the other side, they're going to need to be punished. And I'm sure we'll figure out ways to do that. Now, it seems every particle of the news that I've been researching is is uh, anticlimactic compared to what's coming out of, the, of all the government houses. The White House, the governor's mansions, that kind of thing. So I have... Just a little bit of stuff. Like, we're in the economy right now, okay? So that's the category. I have different categories. Economy, health and food, liberal psychosis, government threat, Trump, and then whatever topic I decide to talk about. Well, so now we're in the economy. The, I'm watching the Dow Jones go up go up 1,000, drop 2,000, drop 3,000, go up 123, down 1,000. This is the Dow Jones, any of you who watch it, or pay attention to the stock market, knows that things are crashing. This is like a spider web. The, and the Dow Jones is the center part of the spider web, and there's tendrils that go out all over the world. And that's how this is affected, and this is how the economy is affected. It's not as simple as most people think. You can sit down and figure out how things in our economy are affected. To give you an idea, let's say uh, sewing machines. Guy sells in in uh, Medford, Oregon. He sells sewing machines with a one year warranty, and he gives a warranty because he can get parts for them and he can fix them, and it's really easy. That sewing machine is made in Sweden, and the little company that manufactures the sewing machine gets their individual parts out of China. So all of a sudden, China's not making those individual parts because something happened and a bunch of people are dead or sick or what have you. So those parts aren't being manufactured. And the parts they do have in stock in, in China, well, they can't ship because no ship's coming to China because they're afraid of getting the disease. So because the factory in China can't manufacture the parts and can't ship what they have because no shipping captain will bring a ship into a Chinese port, nothing is getting to the United States. So that guy in Oregon, when he calls up his, his wholesaler and says, hey, I need to attend more of these machines and I need 37 bobbins and I need 14 this and, and five of those. And, and his supplier says, we, we, I have two machines left and that's it. I have no parts. So multiply that by everything made, everything you can imagine, everything around you. Because remember, in the 80s, 90s, the government of the United States or whoever controls them made damn sure to offsource manufacturing of everything that Americans use. Send it to China or Taiwan or Japan or Vietnam or Mexico. Anywhere but the United States. Did you, you notice that? Anywhere but the United States. So the uh, Dow Jones is pretty much getting, it's starting, just starting to get wiped out. And I'm tired of saying this, and it's the same thing I said for the past two months, three months. It's only going to get worse. And I'll tell you how bad it is right now. Starting Monday... The Dow Jones floor is closed. You've seen the pictures of all the traders walking around on this floor, and they all have uniforms, uh, shirts on, and there's all of these monitors flashing red lights and yellow lights and stuff. Well, that's shut down. All of these people are going to be working from home, 
and it's going to be electronic. If you think it's been bad the past couple weeks, watch what happens. My prediction is by the end of this week, the stock market will be closed. Closed for, for further trading. We'll see what happens. Now, there's one good thing coming out of this. Because Iran and Russia has decided they both want to destroy all oil production in the United States, the price of oil is dropping and dropping and dropping. It's below $30 a barrel right now. Real soon, within a couple of weeks, you're going to see a dollar a gallon gasoline. My suggestion is all the gas that you've stored up, start using it because you can replace it with fresh gas. So all the gasoline and all the five-gallon containers that you've used that you've stored for years, well, as long as it hasn't been stored for a long time, uh, you know, under five years, start putting it in your car. Start using up the gas you have because you're going to be able to replace it with fresh gas at half the price. Let's see. Last week, last week it was two thirty-nine a gallon. Today it's two twenty-three, and it keeps going down. It's about a thirty-day time lag between the cost of oil and the price of the gasoline at the pump. So it, it does take a little bit of time to get up to you. All right, let's get into the uh, health and food. You know, I knew this thing I'm going to tell you, and I've said it oh, two or three times. You know, all of this artificial sweetener that you find, you go into Denny's, you know, and you got this little, you got this little thing of sugar, then you got these, all these little different colored packs, red, pink ones, and the yellow ones, and the blue ones uh, uh, of artificial sweetener. One of the artificial sweeteners, aspartame, it actually... It acts, never mind all the, the uh, scientific explanation and, and that kind of thing. Basically, what aspartame does is it makes you fat. It makes your body think uh, that it's almost sugar, and then your body craves it more and more and more. So your body craves sweetener because aspartame makes your body crave it, so you eat more stuff. It's a vicious cycle, but anything, anything I, I made it a rule of thumb, anything that says diet on it is toxic, one way or the other. The only thing, and I mean of all foods and all drinks, the only diet soda I have ever found, my mom used to drink when I was a kid called Diet Right Soda. It doesn't use any synthetics. It uses, I don't know what it uses now, but it's, it's a, it, it is a, a slight sweetener, but it's, it's uh, nothing wrong with it. But aspartame, anything with NutraSweet or aspartame will make you fatter, will make you gain weight. Well, let's see. Uh, problem with the meatpacking. Now, this is part of the problems we're, we're, we are now having and we're going to have real fast. The You know, millennials think hamburgers come from McDonald's and steaks come from the Outback, but they come from cows. And what's happening is these cows, they've got to be slaughtered and processed and all of this stuff. The uh, governors and cities and counties are closing down businesses. So some of these places are starting to close down. A lot of the plants are worried about their their um, employees getting sick because most of these, most of the slaughterhouses in the United States employ third world uh, people, Muslims, Mexicans, and they're not really big on, on hygiene anyway. So these plants are going to have to start closing down. Uh, some of them are. So you can look for meat prices to go up and then no meat available. Now, if you're lucky, like up here in North Idaho, there's a rancher down the road. I can go buy a half a hog and a half of a cow anytime I want. And there's plenty of butchers here that'll cut it all up and package it for me. Now, looking at the food aspect 
and the crops and things like that. I've been looking back uh, three months, six months. So I used to work for American Can in Sacramento. We made tin cans for Del Monte and, and a few other uh, canning companies that uh, for, for tomatoes because that's the big crop up there. Well, I'm looking back a few months and I'm noticing that these canning companies are closing down. Del Monte closed down. Oh, bunches of them closed down. And I'm trying to figure out why did they close down? A shortage of tin or what's going on? Well, there is um, a lower availability of tin because of, of tariffs with China. Well, of course, China is where everybody gets their tin now. But what they were saying was that the farmers aren't needing as many cans as they used to in past years because there's not enough fruits and vegetables to can. Okay? So there's that that's happening. Trump closed the he closed he he is closing down both the Canadian border and the Mexican border to quote unquote non-essential travel, meaning no um, no tourist stuff, just for the essentials, just for trade. You know, we buy crap from Canada and we buy crap from Mexico, and they got to cross over the borders. What they're do- actually doing with all of the criminal aliens that jump over the fence. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm getting various different uh, things out of both the White House and Borders and Customs Control, and I I don't know what's going on. These locusts that I've told you about and I've talked about, they are gaining power. They're breeding. They're now about six times the size of the, the, what do you call them, flocks? or plague they're about six times the size now or as many as there was two weeks ago they're about to hit africa hard and that's going to wipe out food this food is a big thing obviously because there's you know there's two things everybody does one is put food in their mouth and the other is uh uh process it (laughs) shall we say and if you don't have food you're going to die and what's going to be happening is, and I know since I was born, I was hearing about the starving kids in Africa, and and, it's, and that's why the the uh, locusts come through and eat up everything, and then they don't have food, and that's where the UN steps in, and then all the political crap happens after that. Now, the other thing that happened, the government comes right out and tells us that there's going to be about an 18-month lockdown, necessary pandemic, critical shortages, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot. A lot happening, and they're actually telling us what they're going to do. We'll have to see what happens, though, in real life. The other thing, I had a guy come in here the other day, and he was uh, just in from the Philippines. Just before he left, just before they locked down the borders, nobody gets in or out of the Philippines now. And he was talking about, yeah, he's going to have to get a visa for his uh, new wife. And, and he didn't know why it was so darn difficult. And I discovered why, is that federal government has locked down all visas you cannot get a visa to come in this country uh doesn't matter if you're uh, want to immigrate doesn't matter if you want to visit you're not going to get a visa they're shutting them all down and i don't know for how long i don't know for how long whatsoever and that also shuts down all the uh, guest workers that we get coming into this country you're you're gonna i'm gonna have a, a play a little clip here and this is from the ISH farmer, and he, he uh, does a lot more research than I do on uh, food production. And it's going to explain why 
I'm not necessarily concerned about all that's going on right now. It's what's coming that's got me concerned. Ladies and gentlemen, in what may be the coup de grace for the struggling farmers and ranchers across our nation, the Trump administration today elected to halt all immigrant visas for farm guest workers. Now, this is a death knell for most of modern agriculture. The U.S. State Department has decided to close the border and stop processing H-2A agricultural visas as of today. Without these folks coming to help us plant, we will not harvest. If we do not harvest, we do not have food to feed you. I don't know where the disconnect is. I don't know how people do not understand this situation. Without workers, we can't feed you. So even as the FDA broadcasts, quote, there are no food shortages, please stop buying food, you only need a week or two, guys. Even as they do that, and quote, there are no current widespread disruptions, they are actively creating such a widespread disruption with this labor shortage. What we're seeing in the shelves right now is almost exclusively the result of this demand shock, this panic around the virus has made 300 million people run to the store and buy a month's worth of groceries at the same time. Naturally, we are able to perceive this. This is a huge spike in demand, a demand shock, but so too, though, is there also a very real supply shortage, a slightly slower motion train wreck that's going on that will lead to food shortages and empty shelves. And we've already started seeing those, and they're being masked now by this crisis, by this pandemic, and the fact that uh, people can now just say, yeah, there's food shortages, but that's because people are idiots and they were buying too much. You see, they've provided an excuse. It is the worst planting season for farmers in 25 years because of our wet and cold weather. The excessive rainfall we've been getting this spring. Rainfall followed by cooler weather. More rain, obviously, in April and May. The storms we got and that cool weather hit at absolutely worst time that it could possibly hit. Devastating. One of the worst on record. Not good news for some crop producers in our area. Pretty cold weather. The Ohio Farm Bureau says it's the worst planting season since it started tracking. Crop is seeing its worst day. So it's really been a challenge this year. That's right, the worst season on record. Extremely delayed from the flooding, record prevent plant, early blizzards, the harvest from hell. But I'm sure it's just because people are buying too many Hot Pockets and toilet paper that we need global food rationing. That's that's what's going on. It has nothing to do with the grand solar minimum and these crop losses. In fact, that's not the case. And we can even see from some letters that I've obtained from folks on the inside that this is this is a public letter from Azure Standard. You've probably heard about the fact that the empty grocery store shelves are uh, you know going on. We've run out of items here as well. However, he goes on to say that, yes, coconut supply chain was broken, but potato flakes are also in short supply, not because of supply chain disruptions, but because of the 2019 potato crop was so much smaller than usual. And in fact, we were even reading that the early freezes ruined lots of the seed potatoes so that the potato crop will be bad this year as well as cascading series of failures. Here's a message I received from a buyer that works from an undisclosed Whole Foods location. When she went to work yesterday, she found that they were no longer open to buy, that there were now restrictions. I was limited to only buying 800 pieces. They were allowing me only to order about 40% of what I need to adequately stock my shelves. It is a supply chain breakdown, 
ladies and gentlemen. It's not just the demand shock of the idiots buying toilet paper. I can make this no more clear. Most departments, dry goods, dairy, frozen, the body products, are limited by how much they can order. Interesting, it's not just food. Remember the empty ports, the footage of the empty ports we saw because shipments are coming in from China. Yeah, these are the shelves where those products are supposed to go and they're not there anymore. In all my years, I have only seen limits placed on ordering when businesses are going bankrupt. It's not the case. The problem is the supply chain. Distributors do not have the product to meet demand. Hi, Christian. I work at Tractor Supply. And when I returned from home uh, from work today, I learned that Tractor Supply Corporate had sent each store an email stating that we need to be prepared for shortages on corn and on corn products. It was the worst season on record. And we said, watch around March. We'll start to see this really show up in the shelves. And absolutely with animal feed shortages will really start to materialize around March. Here we are now. No one's talking about that because we got the virus distracting us. But here it is showing up at Tractor Supply. I wanted you to know that these 2019 crop losses are beginning to hit the livestock feed market now. This is going to affect the availability and the price of meat products. It's also going to affect dairy and eggs to consumers. It's going to hit in the next three months. Prepare for this. So in other words, these effects were already baked in. And this distraction with the virus and the people being made to panic and being made then in turn to go rush to the shelves and make them empty. Now we have this pretense, this excuse for why we have to institute food rationing. I mean, there are many agendas served by this virus, but this, folks, is the one that forced their hand. This is the timeline that had to be respected because there was no more food and the shell game was over. You can print money. You can't print food. It's not just tractor supply. I mean, we saw the empty shelves at Kroger. These losses were becoming more and more visible. This was during last summer. We saw that when the sugar crop was killed off by the September blizzards, early blizzards in the Grand Solar Minimum, that uh, processors were forced to declare force majeure. There are now restrictions on how much sugar you can buy. Oh, that's because it's of the viruses because Costco can't let people buy too much. But also there are shortages of feed as a result of the fact that there is no sugar beet pulp, which apparently gets ground up and served to livestock as part of their feed. Mark down another blow towards protein markets. And folks, what was just words a year ago when we started seeing it in the media of global protein shortage is now all too real after we've seen so many pigs, a third of the world's pigs slaughtered in the last year to African swine fever. And now because of the quarantine lockdowns and animal feed shortages in China and the United States, it's just getting out of control. Global protein shortage is arrived. Meat packers, more on that. Meat packers in Brazil, the largest meat packers in the world are shutting down due to the virus, concerns around the virus. We already mentioned this, the US limiting our guest workers, as Shea so well put it, means there's no food. If we don't have harvests, we don't have food. And Whole Foods was already in a situation where one of their suppliers had failed, unable to procure products, and that led to <laughs> Whole Foods looking like a ghost town with empty shelves. Not only aren't there canned foods to get, but there are factories of tin. This was one of the tin producers that shut down a factory because no one was buying their cans. 
because there was no food at the can. So we've already seen this ripple throughout the supply chain over the course of the last 12 to 18 months following the amazing crop losses. And like I said, it was just a matter of time. We were facing a day of reckoning anyway. And now we see the form that it has taken, the mechanism by which they take total control over the supply chain and excuse these losses is the virus. Farmers are warning like Shea, ranchers is warning as well. The, pr- the pork producers were saying without labor, you know, it takes hundreds of people to, to run these operations to feed the animals on a daily basis. And without those people, if they're quarantined and sheltering in place, then the animals don't get fed and our nation's protein dies off and meat will go the way of yesterday. And you'll be forced to be eating your impossible burgers or growing your own food. That's where we are now. In the UK as well, similarly, they're closing down the borders. That means that 70,000 seasonal workers who are usually required annually on British farms from coming from overseas aren't going to be able to get there. And so the UK is actually saying it's an urgent appeal. Please, guys, come out and work on our farms. You don't see any of this happening in the United States. You just see Shea putting up a message. Please call your congressman. I don't believe there are political solutions for the problems we're talking about. We need to be forming a line long-term personal relationships with people who are using good regenerative practices local to you. Find those ranchers, find those farmers, and reach out to them and tell them you're willing to help every however many days a month you can give them. I mean, it's not like our jobs are paying dollars that buy food anymore. The dollars they're paying us don't buy food. And plus, we're going to get thousands of dollars from the Federal Reserve, helicopter money, mortgages. You know, you're not going to get evicted if you can't, uh, if you get, there's no foreclosures. The value of dollars should be dropping in your perception rapidly. And the value of food, that's the real currency here. You can't, you can print dollars that you can't eat them. And of course, all of these messages about labor shortages echo the words that were coming out of China only in February, where they said, look, we hold the rice bowl for 1.4 billion people. We have to get out and plant this rice. And in fact, the PLA took control, the military took control over some of those rice producing areas to try and guarantee that China would have something to eat this year. I'm getting word that the effort was not completely successful, that their plantings were dismal this year. This is a global phenomenon, this catastrophic demise of the the very life force of civilization, the life support system, modern agriculture. It's not just the labor. We've read that China creates uh, 80% of the world's fertilizers. And so as shipping has been shut down and as borders are being closed, we're hearing this is from Canada, that we're really concerned about restrictive measures that are going to keep fertilizers from getting to farmers when they most need it to get to our seeding season. So there's no labor, there's no seeds, there's no fertilizers. This is a perfect storm, not to mention the pain the pandemic playing out around them to take out farmers and ranchers and to move folks onto the technocratic, transhumanist, nasty, fake food that they're printing in their indoor vertical farms and in their lab-grown meat. That's the agenda. The cockroach milk, all of this disgusting food that the UN is talking about as they kill off farmers and ranchers. This is the end of the way of life that we have known. When they're talking about this quarantine shelter in place lasting for the next 18 months now, the Trump administration getting that number directly from this report on Monday coming out of the Imperial College uh, in the UK COVID-19 response team, where they said, look, it looks like if we relax these interventions, these shelter in places, this social isolation, that everything will quickly rebound if these interventions are relaxed. In other words, it's going to be the next 18 months to two years of staying inside. The key here being, will need to be maintained until a vaccine becomes available. So that's the plan, is to hold us hostage until forced vaccines come into play here. 
at best perhaps with some brief intermissions between the quarantine periods just to cause cases to come back and then we all go back inside. This is a bleak view of the future that's being shared from the Imperial College and then in turn by all the administrations. And I just want to remind folks that this was all part of the plan, just as Bill Gates's Event 201 predicted this coronavirus outbreak and tens of millions of people across the world dying and the need then for global governance and the digital ID and the forced vaccines, all of these things, all of these agendas, one after another, that are being served by the uh, virus. So too did George Soros fund John Podesta's food chain reaction game, which pre- uh, predicted that due to an outbreak, the supply chains of the world would break down and there would be mass starvation. This is part of the script as well. And I cannot overstate the danger that people are facing if they depend on the state to eat because that food is drying up. That system is broken. I wanted to put this out here again. This is the wiki.iceagefarmer.com history section, where we can read about previous cycles where the sun drops off its activity. We're just coming out of this low period right here that matches the Dalton minimum. And during the Dalton minimum, too, there were massive crop losses. Thomas Jefferson even talks about how the corn crop was less than a third of its ordinary crop in 1816 during the bottom of a solar minimum in the Dalton minimum. That's what's happening again, folks. It always happens. It's a natural cycle. Only this time, there are technocrats who are trying to take advantage of it to take total control of our food supply and, in turn, of us. We cannot let that happen. We must start growing our own food. We must spread this warning to those around us. And while it is certainly a very immediate demand shock that has the shelves empty wherever you are right now, this is the time to open people's eyes. I actually anticipate that there will be a recovery, that there will be food on the shelves again in the future, and probably they'll keep the rationing on. Probably they'll keep all of these agendas moving forward. And that will be the last opportunity that we have before the effects now of no labor, no fertilizer. I mean, this is a catastrophe. Those shelves will not be replenished. So take advantage of the fact that we have some time, I hope, to stock up between then and now perhaps subject to their rationing limits. Anything at that point is just conjecture. I also want to mention that this censorship has been ramping up yet again. Facebook deleting any virus-related post automatically. They went on to say that was a bug. Google, through YouTube, is saying that we might accidentally remove content even if it doesn't violate our community guidelines because people are sick. We don't, we don't want them to come to work right now. So we might accidentally do a little extra censorship. In light of that, I just wanted to again mention you can find these videos on bitshoot.com slash Ice Age Farmer. And of course, I post everything to IceAgeFarmer.com directly. So I'll leave it at that. Folks, please spread the word and thanks for watching and start growing food and raising animals. Let's go build new systems that can empower and feed the communities that we love rather than depending on these broken systems of enslavement. So he was a little more articulate and had more data, but he explained exactly what I've been trying to tell you is that this, the fact that we've had Last year, and I was putting all of this together, last year, crop uh, crops throughout the United States were decimated with freezing, with flooding, with uh, frosts, uh, with earthquakes, with y- you name it, all kinds of problems. And now the people up here, I've talked to a couple of ranchers up here, and they're having a difficult time getting grain for their, for their uh, cattle. And that's what they use to fatten them up. Well, well, we'll have to see what happens on that. And now we're going to get into Wuhan. Now, I've got so much stuff on this Wuhan virus that I... I 
I can't even I can't even put them on paper. I just uh, just have to tell them to you. First off, I'm going to cover something in here: closings, things that are closing down or being restricted. Uh, in in Europe, Volkswagen is stopping manufacturing. Airbus is stopping manufacturing. Of course, in the United States, Ford, GM, Toyota, they're all stopped. Personally, I think I'm going to buy a new vehicle in maybe about three or four months when nobody's buying a vehicle <laughs> at all. Uh, just as this is not part of the news thing, but I'm going to tell you something else that I've discovered. All the banks up here are closing down. They're, you can't go in. You can't go into the bank anymore. If the bank allows you to do anything, then you only have a drive-up window that you can go to. Those of you out there who have been listening and ignoring me and other people tell you get cash, well, you damn well better start doing it because very shortly, businesses will be so afraid to take cash that they'll say, no, credit card only, credit cards only, which is fine for a lot of you people, especially if you're pinhead millennials. And you, you know, you grew up with a little piece of plastic that you just hit this, this thing and it takes your charge. I mean, I can't. It's a joke when somebody goes into a store and for ninety nine cents they use a credit card or debit card for ninety nine cents. You better get cash out here. Our store, Survival Enterprises, up in Hayden. If you don't have cash, you don't. You can't buy anything. It's that simple. Because they won't let us take credit cards right now. Amazon is uh, halting its grocery deliveries in the United States. Remember, they said, we're going to start doing grocery deliveries. They, they stopped it. And they claimed it so they can restock. But that was days ago. And considering there's not much food out there to restock, I think uh, Amazon's out of the grocery delivery service. The EU is closing all its borders, all its, all its external borders. Yeah, let's see how well that works. And I told you about the New York Stock Exchange. They're, they're closing the floor. Uh, yeah, Chrysler, Ford, Fiat, General Motors, uh, all of these companies are shut down. Now, General Motors and Ford offered to start manufacturing uh, intubation kits. Uh, these are machines that help you breathe. Because that's what, if you really get hit with this virus, and for that matter, any, any uh, pneumonia, the, you have to be. You have to have assistance to help you breathe. So they're going to start manufacturing these uh, these machines. This this uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is even doing its share, right? They they want to help out. So they decided to take off the words "finger licking good" uh, amid this uh, outbreak. So you you will not no longer hear commercials using the uh, statement "finger licking good," because well you know you're not supposed to lick your fingers. The Kentucky Derby is being uh, pushed back to sometime in late summer. It was supposed to come out next week or so, I think it was. The VA came out and said the Veterans Administration, the hospitals, they barely care about veterans as it is, but they've come out now and said that they're going to be closing all of the offices starting March 19th. All the VA offices are closed. You want to see somebody, uh, you better make a phone call. Because <laughs> they will now no uh, no longer allow walk-ins. You know, it's funny. The gyms up here are closing. Uh, there's all these different businesses closing. The corporate, especially if they're corporate. So there's there's these these gyms up here. There's like what is it? Uh, one of them twenty. They're the twenty-four hour ones, and they have like thirteen hundred of them in the Western United States or whatever. So th- this one gym closed in Post Falls. And then three more gyms closed. There's no gyms in Post Falls open. Post Falls is about 10 miles away. 
So everybody from there were coming over to Coeur d'Alene and going in the gyms here. This lady comes in who who works at one of the gyms and says, yeah, this guy came from Post Falls and and he was really angry because we wouldn't let him in because we there were too many people in there already and he was throwing a fit and all this stuff. And I'm yeah, okay. Two days later, that guy comes in my store and he goes, you know, I tried to get into the gym and they wouldn't let me in and I damn it, I have a membership. And <laughs> and he was the guy that they were, that, that was busy yelling in there. And of course, I already talked about the borders in U.S. and yeah, it's closing down the non-essential traffic uh, going into in and out of Canada and in and out of Mexico. And we'll see what the what that means. We'll, you never know. All elective surgeries in the United States have been canceled. All of them. Of course, it's if it's an in in office procedure, most of the time the surgeons will go ahead and do it. But any uh, elective surgery that's being done in a hospital. They, they're the federal government has banned that, which is pretty much shut down about seventy five percent of the hospitals in the United States, uh, income stream because that's what they do. Now they're just waiting. They're waiting for the inundation of all the sick people. All right. So the end of the closings. Now we just get into the just get into uh, information on the virus. This is uh, the, you know the sad thing is, is this is happening all over the world. And if I was if I wanted, if I wanted to gain control of the planet, if I wanted to so decimate the planet that I could easily gain control of everything, I'd create a disease that was extremely communicable, extremely contagious, and then tell everybody to stay home, and nobody will get sick. Right. So what? Do, what do people do? One of the rules. <laughs> My son was raised on this statement. People are generally stupid. So in New Jersey, they know that uh, there's heavy, heavy, heavy uh, influx of this disease all over the place. And there are orders to shut down all of these areas in the cities and don't meet when there's more than 10 people and don't do this and don't do that. Be very, very careful. So what do people do? Hey, Uncle John, we're having a dinner uh, Saturday night. Everyone's going to be there. 25 people show up in the same family to have special dinner. So far, five of them have died. And I saw an interview with uh, one of the girls in this family. I mean, that's utterly stupid. Oh, yeah, I promise I'm, I'm not sick. I feel fine. Knowing damn well that this virus spreads from non-symptomatic people. And there's a nine-day incubation period. This guy could be sick for seven days, not know it or infected for seven days, go to this dinner, which is what happened, and infect all of your family. So this girl that was that was at there, she said, like every day somebody new dies. I get a phone call and, and Uncle John's dead. And the next day it's Aunt Thelma. So this is, uh, the disease is being spread by stupid. This is all over the place. But then again, there's the other side of the story is a 103-year-old woman in Iran gets the disease and survives. And walks home from the hospital. The thing, the thing is, is that this is a a, a uh, Asian DNA structured virus. So unless your immune system's compromised, in, and and unless you're Asian, you if you get that virus, you might not even notice it. Well, let's see. Ann Coulter has an article. I wrote, I'd rather I'd like to have a clip from her, but. She, had, she wrote this article. It's called uh, Cheap TV's Expensive Flu. 
Let's see. The problem is, and this is what I've said since this whole thing, since before all of this started. We In Survival Enterprises, I sell nothing that comes from China. One of my uh, formulators for, for our uh, some of our vitamins told me that they, they could get some of the ingredients cheaper from China. And I said, well, uh, if you do, we'll no longer buy from you. But it's not just... <laughs> You know, it's not just that we're getting crap from China. We're getting poison from China. Toothpaste uh, had a poison in it. This is from China. Uh, Antifreeze. And then toxic Chinese drywall is installed in over 100,000 U.S. homes. And as it dries, it's uh, emitting noxious fumes. Thousands of American dogs killed by melamine-laced Chinese dog food. And we've lost, because of the... The Asian longhorn beetle that arrived on Chinese cargo ships in 96. We've lost over a quarter million maple trees in the United States. So far, we've had H1N1 from China, bird flu from China, SARS from China, and now the Wuhan virus from China. I don't know. Is it worth it paying $3 for a t-shirt at Walmart rather than $9 at a union store? So it's costing us. It's costing us, and, and more and more. There are so many books out there. The whole premise is ba- is around a virus that comes out of China. When are we going to learn? The Baltimore, the Baltimore mayor. Now, this is the city of, uh, <laughs> this is the city in the United States that Trump referred to as a, um, uh, well, let's just say that he referred to it as, as something that comes out of the back end of a donkey. Baltimore mayor begs residents to stop shooting each other so hospital beds can be used for coronavirus patients. Hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm fine. That's how they say hi and goodbye in Baltimore. They shoot you. It's like in Hawaii. They say aloha for hello and goodbye. Uh, The head communist in California, the governor Newsom, suggests that we might have to have martial law here to to make sure everything's quieted down. So far, we've got two people sick in Congress that have come across the the disease, and one is a Democrat, one is a Republican. Obviously, this virus doesn't uh, listen to politics. Somebody sent me this article, and it was a video, and it was it was it was in Italian. Italy's getting hit and getting hit hard, big time. Italy has more deaths per capita now than even the eluded data from China claims. There are so many corpses there that the crematoriums can't keep up with them. So they're hauling them all on military transports to a giant grave. And there's like 50 of these trucks hauling dead people. Now the problem and the reason that that Italy is having so many problems is that Italy is the, the center of fashion, right? So they, they do a lot of work with fabrics. And where do people get fabrics now? They get them from China. So they literally have at least a thousand Chinese a day come and go in China, uh, in in Italy, and at least a thousand Italians fly to China and back on a daily basis. So they're literally bringing the disease to them, and it. And I talked to you last week about that that retarded mayor who started the hug a Chinese thing. Almost every single person who hugged a Chinese is now diseased or dead. And here's a, here's a way. This is the great way that we have now in the world uh, when we decide to kill off the weak and stupid 
It'll just uh, give them a, a cell phone that can watch YouTube all the time because they always have these challenges there. You know, it, first it was uh, how much cinnamon can you try and eat at once? Uh, just other weird challenges. And now they have another one that'll, that will definitely kill off a lot of these uh, insane, stupid millennials. It's the lick the toilet bowl seat or doorknob challenge. So there's videos of people going where a lot of people are and licking the toilet bowl or licking a doorknob. Good, that'll uh, kill off a whole bunch of them. Africa has been kind of quiet with this virus. Now it's hitting there and it's, it's going to be taking off. And again, this virus is passed by stupid. So people do stupid things. One guy tested positive and he said, you know what, I don't give a damn. He, he, he's, I'm not going to quarantine. I'm not going to do anything. I don't care. If I die, I die. Yeah, but you're going to infect everybody around you. I don't really give a damn. Well, he was immediately arrested and put into quarantine. See, that's how it's going to end up being. But that just makes my point. This disease is being spread by stupid. I I go into, like if I'm at a, at a, at a casino and I watch people. I mean, I, I'm not no pervert or anything, but I watch people. And I go in the men's room and I swear to you, half of the guys that walk out of there get done with what they're doing, zip up and walk out the door. They don't even wash their hands. This is how diseases are passed, by stupid. Hospital uh, supplies, now this is something that's been on the news and everybody's seen this. Hospital supplies are being rationed because there's not, the, we used to get all everything. The clean suits that we would wear, the scrubs, uh, the masks, the goggles, the gloves, everything. Guess where they were made? China. So we're running out of them. So people are manufacturing them now in the United States. Literally, people are making masks on their sewing machines. If I had no masks, and if you recall, a year or so ago, we had like two pallets of masks, N95 masks, which we sold most of, which I kept a couple cases for us. But if you didn't have any masks and you had to go outside or you had to put yourself into an area where there's possible infectious agents in the air... You take a normal bandana, you can go to Walmart, and yes, they're made in China, so you better wash them good. Bandana, you dip it in our colloidal silver, wring it out well, and tie it around your nose and mouth. There's nothing getting in there. The hospital supplies are being rationed. I'll give you some guys I'll give you guys some hints. Harbor Freight sells nitrile gloves, not latex. They're like four times as thick as the latex gloves, but they, they do the same function. Mechanics wear them. Harbor Freight sells those. Costco sells those. But you can't go into the medical department and look for them. You have to go in the automotive section at Costco and you will find them. Australia declared a human biosecurity problem there, emergency. It's The problem with Australia is they have millions of Chinese there every day. They come and go, come and go, come and go. Here's another example of how the disease is spread by stupid or Muslim. In in Italy, they've told everyone to lock down, don't go anywhere, wear your mask. So what do you see? You see the lowest form of life is Somali Muslims out in mass all over, standing around street corners, walking down the street, going shopping. And these are all the uh, what they call immigrants. They, uh, they have schools of doc- uh, they have medical schools in Italy. They have over 10,000 students 
who aren't quite ready for the test yet to become a full-fledged doctor. And Italy said, the hell with it. Swear them all in. They're all doctors. Turn them loose. Let's go. We need them. So this is what they're doing now in Italy. Unfortunately, it's large Catholic. Uh, Italy is pretty much all Catholic. So the priests, when they give the last rites to these people who are dying, are now getting the disease and dying. Mayors throughout the United States are doing things which they literally have no right to do at this exact moment. The mayor of Coeur d'Alene and the mayor of Hayden both declared an emergency. There's nobody sick up here. There's nothing happening up here. But they both declared an emergency. Do you know why? Because now they can get funds. Now they can get federal money. And they also have the right under emergency dictates to create special orders or directions. Like if they want to ban transportation, if they want to ban, uh, they want to put a curfew, they can do that. Well, what's happening when you have the more communist versions of mayors, in other words, Democrats, they do something else. And they all do it. Every single one. New Orleans mayor issues a coronavirus order allowing ban on sale and transportation of firearms. Now, this is the 12th or 13th Democrat mayor who has done the exact same thing. They're banning the sales, transportation, the loaning of, you know, you get the idea. One of the big things that has been spreading this disease. It, well, I, I already talked about it. There's an article here. Migrant labor was to blame for cor- coronavirus spread in Iran and Italy. Yeah, we know that. And that's that falls under the category of stupid. This is how, this is how the disease is spread, by stupid. There's videos of uh, these so-called migrants in Paris. Paris is under quarantine. No, they're out there busy doing whatever the hell they want to do. They could care less. They're, remember, they're God's gift to everyone, so they don't have to do anything. It's only for everyone else. I have had, oh, I don't know, four or five so-called millennials tell me how they're not concerned in any way, shape, or form about getting the disease because it's an old person disease. And I, I'm like, where did you get that idea? Oh, it's all over the news. The news is telling it that, that you've got to be old and, and infirm and, and all of that not young and healthy. Well, that's putting, right now, every hospital who has coronavirus sufferers, 20 to 50% of them are millennials. And so they're at higher risk of catching it because they fall into the category of stupid more than uh, most people do. So they do stupid things like spring break. I mean, there's a disease out there that's killing people all over the world. So thousands of horny millennials and college students show up in Florida on the beaches. And when they're interviewed, they say, well, you know what? I'm, 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 you know, I'm young. I'm healthy. I take a lot of vitamins. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to get it. I'm not, no. Except 20 to 50% of the people going to the hospital are them. Uh, an employee at NBC worked there for 60. What did he work there? He worked there for years. I think the article said he worked there for 61 years old. I think he was, he was 61. He worked in the equipment room at NBC. Now, here's how, here's how this works. The equipment room at any TV studio, there's cameras in there. 
There's video recording equipment. There's video playback equipment. There's microphones in there. There's cabling. There's wire. And he worked in there every day. And what that means is he's touched almost everything in there. So if this guy was sick, that disease is everywhere. I'm not sure because I don't watch. That's you know I really don't watch NBC or ABC at all. Uh, CBS now and then, but the majority of of uh, news stations now are broadcasting from a whole different studio than they were broadcasting. You know because they don't have any antivirals that are effective against this exact coronavirus <clears throat> their doctors all over the world are testing anything they can get their hands on i mean anything they they it's astounding some of the things that they've tried uh you, and some of them are working but they discovered there's a couple drugs that are being used and have been for decades to treat malaria and the, these drugs are having positive effects on some of the people. And this is a, an interview with a doctor who was using it. So how beneficial is hydroxychloroquine? My next guest says doctors are already using this treatment in the United States successfully. Joining me now is Dr. William Grace, oncologist with Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. Dr. Grace, great to see you tonight. How big a deal would approving chloroquine for the coronavirus be? Everybody is using it now off-label. We have a surge of coronavirus 19 patients in throughout the metropolitan area of New York. And the problem is uh, these patients are coming in quite sick. And when they get to a very uh, difficult respiratory status, the doctors are using hydroxychloroquine uh, with or without uh, a drug called Zithromax or Zithromycin. And uh, that's showing tremendous uh, activity. And we have not had a death in our hospital. We have probably close to 100 patients have not had any deaths. But I've talked to many of my colleagues uh, at other hospitals in New York, and they also are using hydroxychloroquine, although the supplies are running down. So any kind of supplements to those supplies would be much appreciated. Now, Dr. Grace, when you heard the president today mention this, and then he, you know, he maybe got a little high, said the FDA approved. Well, the FDA hasn't approved, but just so everyone understands tonight, that doesn't mean doctors can't use the drug in, in medical settings. As you just said, it's already being used, correct? Yes, in the, in the trenches, we're all using it, especially for desperately yeah. ill people. Yeah. Okay, we're not so, using it on everybody, but we're using it on those people who show major respiratory compromise. Okay, and so the, with this controlled study, we'll see both the effects of hydroxychloroquine as a prophylactic, a, pre a preventative, and as a treatment, correct? Yes, um, there are people out on the West Coast who are looking at it in people who are um, virus positive, but don't show many of the symptoms, and they're looking for the clearance of the virus by this drug. We think it works in two ways. Uh, as you know, the death rate goes up as the age goes up, and uh, what I think is that the more mature your uh, immune response, the more likely you are to have a, a, what we call a cytokine storm, which means that people with viral pneumonias die because their lungs fill up with fluids largely from an immune response. And this drug works not only inhibiting virus replication, 
but also inhibits the immune response so you don't get the tremendous amount of inflammation. That's why the drug is also used in rheumatoid arthritis and lupus. There, apparently, there's uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has organized a study called Solidarity, and it includes 10 countries, Argentina, Brit uh, Bahrain, Canada, France, and a bunch more. So they're, they're doing a global study on this, and it's already underway. So we should be able to get answers on this pretty quickly. That could be a game changer if what you're seeing, what the, your, your colleagues are seeing in uh, Lenox Hill pans out because what they're seeing in China and France is stunning, are stunning results with this drug. That's true. And I'm hoping that what will happen, the data will come down quickly. We'll get everybody on hydroxychloroquine, go back to work and put the nation back together again. Yeah, that would be nice. So who knows? And I listened to a talk from a couple of the doctors and they're, they're saying, well, this hasn't been approved by the FDA. And uh, Trump came out and said, no, you're wrong. It was it has been approved by the FDA, not for this use, but because it's been approved for by the FDA for use on humans. Well, so you know what? So we'll just take it a little bit off the shelf here to the side and we'll use it. And what does it matter if it works? It works. Now remember, I said this. This, uh, this, like all diseases, are passed by stupid. This is another example of stupid. So this guy decided to uh, host a wedding. So he had he had what's called a pop up wedding. And this is in New Jersey, right? New Jersey, in Ocean County. They arrested this idiot. He had a pop-up wedding with more than 50 people. So you had him, which is the main idiot, and then you had 50 more people who were d- concurrent idiots. So, I mean, what's wrong with people? That's the thing. You know, I, I'm sorry. Dogs uh, are now testing positive. Of course, there's two dogs, only two dogs so far, that have tested positive, and they were both owned by a Chinese guy that likes to kiss his dogs on the lips. I mean, it's not a joke. It's it's real. But, you know, so it can be passed to dogs. As far as we know, they're not doing a lot of autopsies on these dogs because so they both died. South Africa, I told you, Alpha Africa is starting to hit. It's it's going to do the same thing. It's going to be worse in Africa than it was in the United States because in Italy and the United States, we, we have good health care. But in South Africa, forget it. If it hits, it's going to, it's going to hit. Now, there's a couple of brothers in Tennessee that, that when this first hit, when, when it, the news first came out that there were some diseases in China and, and, and maybe a couple in, in Seattle, uh, these two Tennessee brothers decided to buy up all the hand sanitizers they could. They bought 18,000 bottles. And they were selling them on eBay for up to $70 a bottle. This is just plain old Purell. See, on one view, from one viewpoint, they got the market pretty well handled in that area. And uh, they got a product that people want. So they were really raking it in or raping them. Either way, they were screwing the people. Somebody mentioned this to them that they need to take a different viewpoint. They're locking up all of the stockpile of these hand sanitizers from the local area so nobody can get any of them. And when they looked at it that way, they go, oh, crap. So they started contacting uh, firefighters and police departments and, and other health departments and said, I've got, we've got thousands and thousands of hand sanitizers stocked up. You guys can have them all. 
I think that was that was kind of nice. It was kind of strange to start that in one time. Oh, Los Angeles has a great idea of. Uh, in fact, Iran had the same idea to halt the coronavirus in the prisons, turn turn everyone loose in the prisons. So Los Angeles is turning people loose that aren't there for capital crimes like murder. Uh, now here's something, and you have my permission if you see anything like this to soundly beat the person to a pulp. There is this new. Oh, you know, the, 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 these kids like these these uh, challenges, right? And then they video themselves doing it. Well, here's one, and this is another challenge. Uh, you go and you go into a grocery store where there's a lot of people, and then you cough all over the food. You go up to the vegetables, and you, <coughs> and you go to the meat, and <coughs> you cough all over everything and film yourself doing it. So if you see somebody doing that, feel free to grab them by the back of their hair, put your foot, your your left foot under their both of their feet, and pull them backwards. Knock them on the ground, and then stick your knee on their belly and lean on them. That's being nice. I would do it much more than that. And then uh, the hell with the consequences. This is they do this crap because they get away with it. And there are videos all over Facebook that shows these kids doing this crap. Coughing, uh, it's astounding. It's astounding that people haven't shot somebody yet. This is, this is like, it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe. It really is. Okay, let's move on. What do we got here? Nothing there. Liberal psychosis. Not too much under the liberal psychosis either because there's just so much of it. What, What do I have to pick from? Remember that phony investigation into Trump's Russian uh, whatever the hell it was, and uh, the feds come up with uh, these these Russian companies, and, and then they, then they put uh, uh, arrest warrants out on them, and, and it was all phony. Except one of the Russian companies was real, and they said, "Okay, so we want you to prove to us, show us the data you have that that shows that we've committed any crime." And of course, the feds couldn't do it because there was nothing there. So now the feds are dropping charges against these companies. I had told you few shows back that marvel comics was going full pervert which is true uh, they're they're uh, installing uh, homosexuals lesbians switch hitters don't know what i am uh neutrals i mean you you name one of the 176 sexual psychosis and they're coming up with a whole comic book series now that have what's called non-binary in other words this is somebody who this is a switch hitter it's what we used to call when I was a kid a switch hitter. And one of the, you're going to love this. Any of you who've been to my store, you see a sign out front that said, uh, Snowflake's not allowed. All right. So one of these is called Snowflake, and another is called Safe Space. Okay. Now, under government threat, these things that the, the, a government does is always a two edged sword. I don't care. City, county, state, federal. So Trump. Trump came out and he said that he is activating the Defense Production Act of 1950. Now, this was created, this act was created uh, at the start of the Korean War. It was part of a broad civil defense uh, and war mobilization. And it was, this is called the Cold War, right? So they needed to have things manufactured and things handled. And what it does is three things. 
The first authorizes the president to require businesses to sign contracts or fulfill orders deemed necessary for national defense. In other words, the president can require a business to do whatever he says it should do. There were companies before World War II that made sewing machines. Singer was one. And when World War II started, uh, there was a previous act that gave the president power to, to require businesses to do what he, they're told. That Singer Sewing Machine Company started making rifles, or parts for rifles, specifically M1 carbine, and some uh, 1911 45 pistols. So this the, the, the 1950 act was just to uh, tighten this up a little bit. It also allows the president to designate materials to be prohibited from hoarding or price gouging. So he can prohibit uh, hoarding. Now, how do you do that? By limiting limiting how much somebody can buy of, one, of a product. In World War II, they would give you these, these uh, stamps, these books. And you would get like, it's like a little coupon for a pound of butter. And another coupon for a pound of beef. And another coupon for uh, tires, one set of tires. And you see what I mean? You were limited. You could not buy these without these coupons. And the third section authorizes the president to control the civilian economy so that scarce uh, or critical materials necessary to the national defense are available for defense needs. In other words, rubber. World War II, the rubber was used for tires and further equipment for the military. That's why you're only allowed to buy like one one set of tires a year. So there's three parts to this. But all three of them puts the president in charge 100% of manufacturing in the United States. All manufacturing in the United States because all they have to do is deem it necessary to uh, national defense and boom, there it goes. This is another thing that I've talked about and now is being used. This is a sword of Damocles that's been hanging over our heads since the cell phone first came out. You you know you can be tracked with your cell phone, especially if you have a quote-unquote smartphone. They can track you because you're pinging every 15 seconds. Your phone sends out a ping, and it it, it hits the closest tower. So that tower now has a record of your phone with the, that that uh, mechanical address of that phone. If you bought your phone normally, like people would go into an AT&T business area and they, they buy a phone and then get a service set up, that phone's registered to you. So Fred Lipschitz owns this phone. If you bought a burner phone at Walmart or something like that, well, nobody knows anything about it. But there's another thing on your phone called GPS. And that hooks to ground positioning satellites, GPS. So if that's on at any time, you can look at your phone and tell where you are. In fact, you can put that your phone on the dash and use it as a speedometer if it's a good quality GPS system inside your phone. Well, that just so you can be tracked where you're going. You can Everybody who has access to your phone knows where you are. Well, that data now is being accessed by law enforcement and the federal government 
so that they can determine whether or not people who are supposed to be quarantined are being quarantined. You know, you've seen on TV where a guy gets arrested and they let him let him out on his own recognizance, but he has to wear a, a, a bracelet, they call it. It's a, a tracker that they put around your ankle. So they always know where you are. Well, you, you have one of those in your pocket. It's called a cell phone. And this data is being used now to monitor people and tell where they are. Oh, it's real simple. Even if they don't know who you are. Let's say... Everyone's supposed to be locked down. There's nobody supposed to be moving after 8 p.m. They put a curfew in. All they do is look at the, the t- cell towers in the local areas where the curfew is and see if there's any phones that are moving in that area. Because usually phones are hooked to a human. So according to all the news coming out of the White House and Congress and the Senate, the, uh, part, of the part of the plan that Trump has and everybody has is to shovel money into uh, all these businesses that are failing, uh, the air- airlines, uh, other corporations, and American citizens. So according to all the data and rumors, and nobody's verified anything yet, but Trump says he's going to sign it, he's going to sign it, we're going to get, each of us are going to get between one and $2,000 I don't know if it's just one lump sum or each month or whatever. So we're supposed to get one to two thousand dollars. You know, with there there are three hundred and fifty million citizens in the United States. The Democrats in running for office for the nomination to go against Trump have spent billions of dollars. Why? Is it so difficult? You know, you want you can get a, a list of everybody in the United States. There's companies that sell mail lists. You want to mail to doctors, you can get a list for doctors. You want to mail to uh, people that raise pigeons, you can get a list of people that raise pigeons and their address, and you can mail to them. Why not mail us all a million dollars? That's only $350 million. And look at that. You have changed the economy in the United States forever. Forever. Think about that. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people out there that have won the lottery, won millions of dollars, and they're paupers in a couple years. That's because they're stupid. But you can change the economy. If I had a million dollars, yes, I'd pay all my bills off. I'd buy me a, a, a nice set of boots, uh, maybe get a car that I don't have to fix every uh, every other Wednesday. And, uh, and I'd put a lot of it in the bank or I'd buy a lot of gold or something. And then when I died, it'd go to my son. And then when he died, it'd go to his son. And then we'd be uh, rich like Soros is eventually, I guess. I guess, isn't that how it works? But anyway, but just a million dollars. So instead, we're going to get like one or two thousand. I, I don't know. I don't know which. We're going to find out about that. By the way, I just got informed my brother, uh, Steve, he's a rep for the National Rifle Association. He is one of their hottest reps, and he deals, uh, he does dinners. If you've ever gone to the Friends of the NRA uh, dinner where they have auctions and, and raffles and, and you win guns and dogs and things like that, he does them in Nevada and uh, Central California. So he's, he has a, he has a, a bunker <laughs> somewhere hidden in the desert in Nevada, and he just called and he talked to my son, and and it was it was like. Can you hear? 
it was really bad uh, reception. But basically, what he what what happened was he's in California. The NRA has shut down all the dinners throughout the United States. Shut them all down. No more dinners. No more uh, auctions. Uh, none of this stuff until April something, April fourteenth or something like that. And and you know as well as I do, but it's going to be getting worse and worse and worse. Those dinners aren't going to be starting up anytime soon. So he bought everything he could in California. He has a little trailer over there that he stays in now and then. He got all the food. He got everything he could, loaded up his trailer, and he headed to his bunker in Nevada. He And he says, uh, if you need to, i got a place here. You're safe. You can come down. Don't have to worry about the grass dying because it's all dirt down here. Anyway, just to any of you NRA members out there that go to these dinners, there ain't no more. They're closed down. And I heard that the gun shops in California are out of guns. See, Newsom in California is going to lock down California. He's going to put a just a block on on uh, everyone coming or going. So that's why my brother got the hell out of there as quick as he could. All right, we're going to talk a little bit. Speaking of trailers, we're going to talk a little bit about a RV bug out, like a, either a trailer or a camper or motorhome, something like that. Now I talked about this a couple years back. And you can't just go out and buy an RV. RV is a recreational vehicle. You can't just go out and buy one. You really got to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're just going to buy a, a, a big hole you throw money into. And trust me, I've been there, done that. There are three types of RVs. One's a camper. Now, what a camper is, is sits on the bed of your truck. That's a camper. I've had people with a 30-foot travel trailer call it a camper. It ain't. If you've got a travel trailer, you ain't camping. So you have a camper, which goes on the bed of a truck, a trailer, which you hook to the back of a vehicle, and a trailer can be anything from 10 feet to 40 feet long. I mean, it's, there's all kinds of different types. And then you have the motorhome. Uh, the motorhome is just what it says. It's a, for want of a better term, it's a big box with a motor in it, and you can drive it around. It's like driving a school bus, and there's there's different versions of that. There's different types of campers too. You and campers are not light, by the way. You can get a very uh, a very lightweight camper called a six pack, which is the size of a six pack. It, it has no bathroom in it. It just has a like a three burner propane stove or a two burner propane stove. It might have a little heater in it. It's a hunter shack, is what it is, and it would have a little sink. With just cold water, you'd have a five-gallon uh, container of fresh water in there, and you'd pump the sink, the, the faucet, and water would come out. You'd have a, either an ice box or a refrigerator in there, and you have a, a uh, dinette that turns into a, a two-person bed and a, an overhead bed up at the top. That's pretty much a camper. Or you can even get that's very light one, very light one, and I had that one of those on my on a half-ton pickup. Or you can get the big full-blown camper, which weighs about a ton and a half. That has a shower and a toilet in it and a sink, a refrigerator, uh, an air conditioner, forced air heat. Some, t- some of them have little tiny generators on them. So you see what I mean? And they have a hot water heater. So it's, it's full-blown. I mean, it's real. You could live in there if you didn't mind only having like um, 48 square feet. It just depends on what you want. You can get a trailer, and, and trailers are heavy. Everything has a weight to it, and that's something you have to imagine also. I had a 30-foot travel trailer one time, and this couple wanted to buy it. Uh, 
and he had a half ton uh what, what was it called suburban and i said you you can't tow you can't tow it with this you can't tow this he goes but i got a ball on the back of it back in my suburban i said no it's not going to tow it the tongue weight alone is 750 pounds and your car is a half ton so it's not even going to be able to hold the weight of that unless you have some special suspension and he says well no so he didn't know he didn't know but having a rv as a bug out here's the plus points whether it's a camper a trailer or a motorhome it has its own power source, power system in, inside of it, 12-volt batteries. So you have 12-volt system. You have 12-volt lights. You have 12-volt um, activ- uh, activators for your heat and refrigeration. You could put a solar panel on the roof, and you can keep your 12-volt batteries charged. The uh, most, most uh, and whether it's a motorhome, a trailer, or a camper... The housing unit itself will have one or two batteries allocated just for its use. And the, your vehicle will have a separate battery for it. Like a motorhome will have one chassis battery and two house batteries. A travel trailer will have one or two house batteries for the trailer. And your vehicle you're towing will have its own independent battery. Okay, And these things can also be plugged into 110. So they can run on that. Now, most of these units will also have a inverter in them. So if you plug 110 in, it will automatically charge up your 12 volt batteries. Most of the most of these units uses uh, uh, propane for heat, and always use the propane for the stove. The refrigerators are always propane, and most of them are also 110. So you can use propane for to heat the inside. You can use propane to run your refrigerator. Or you can use 110 if you're plugged in somewhere. See, if you lose power in your house and you don't need to have a generator running, you just jump in your RV. Everything's 12 volt. Turn the lights on, 12 volt. I have televisions, DVD players, radios, 12 volt. So... You have your a, a small enclosed home, and it's easily movable. Whether it's a camper, a trailer, or a motorhome, if you think it's starting to get a little hinky where you are, you can hook it up and head north, west, east, south, whatever, whichever way you want to go. The uh, there, there's things that you have to know about these two. You can't, like I was saying, you can't just go out and buy one of them. You got to know what you're looking for. You have to make sure that this thing isn't going to cost you more to fix up than it's going to be worth when you're done. See, anybody can go out and buy a $500 motorhome. I've looked on Craigslist. There's three of them there right now. But all three of them need thousands of dollars of repair. Now, when I let's say I buy one of them and I put thousands of dollars of repair into it, is that going to cost more than it's worth if I was to turn around and sell it? So that's what you need to think about. Or if it's an old classic and you want to do it anyway, just for the hell of it, that's up to you. But always be, do your own due diligence. Know what you're looking at. The big things is water damage. And this can be hidden. You look for soft floors, 
you walk the full length. Let's say you're going to look at a motorhome, okay? And this is a 30-foot south wind. Now, for all intents and purposes, you have a class A motorhomes, B and C. An A is basically an elongated brick. And the front of it might have a little little uh, slope to it, okay? But that's that's about what it looks like. A B is a van, a big, long van. Not, not no 30-footer. I'm talking maybe 20-foot, something like that. But it, and, and, a, and a pooched-out van. It's just got all kinds of neat things on it. But you aren't going to stand up straight inside of it. It's it's a just a little type of uh, living, livable spaces. I met uh, Angie Dickinson years ago. She was traveling uh, after she got done with the the movie she was working on, and she was uh, at an RV park in in Portland. And she had one, a Class B motorhome. It had every it had a little porta potty in it. It didn't have a shower in it, but it was it was cool. It was a nice little thing. And a Class C, the front end looks like the front end of a van or even a pickup truck and then the motorhome is built around that so let's say you're looking at a like i said a a, a class a south wind motorhome 30 footer they usually have a like a, a a large motor in it a 454 or a 460 if it's ford chassis what you want to look for is soft wood you want to look the floors over. Walk the floor from front to rear. And if while you're stepping, all of a sudden it goes down and then up. Well, that's soft wood. That means there's been water in there and it's, and it's softened the wood. It's water rot. You don't want any part of it. Unless you want to dicker with the guy and get a cheaper price because you're going to have to replace that floor. Check the walls. Look around. Bang on the walls a little bit. I went to. Uh, I looked at a trailer one time, and a guy was assured me he's had it his, its whole life. It's never had any leak anywhere in any way, shape, or form. And I reached up with my index finger because I, I saw a water stain on the side of the wall, up towards the top in the front. And I touched it, and my finger went through it. All that was left was the wallpaper. The wood behind it had rotted out. So the guy was a liar. So you have to be careful of that. Look for any kind of water rot. Ask them, has this ever had a water leak? Don't ask them, does this leak? Ask them, has it ever had a water leak? And then look at the area, if he says there has been, and see if there were any collateral damage. Because when the water comes down, like say the air conditioner up on top isn't tightened down enough, water's going to leak in there. And it's going to travel down the, the inside the ceiling. So you need to look all over the place and make sure there's no soft ceiling. I have had... Uh, air conditioner actually collapse in inside of a trailer because the wa- the roof had been rotted so much in driving we hit some bumps and it just knocked the, tr- the the AC just fell straight through so you look for water rot you open all the cabinets and now this is what doesn't matter if you're looking for a motorhome or a trailer or even a camper you do the same concepts you look for water rot you open all the cabinets and you get a flashlight always take a flashlight with you and you look up in the back and make sure there's no water rot, no stains, no signs of stains. Now, a lot of times you get condensation inside of a trader, camper, motorhome, or what have you, because people don't think. So they go in there and they turn the heat up and uh, they decide to take a shower, a nice hot shower, and they never open any windows to let the air circulate out. So you get condensation that builds up inside of this small box. And it will start peeling off some of the wallpaper that's in there. Learn to understand there's a difference between water water rot and 
uh, people not paying attention and not using common sense and, and too much condensation. And the, because of that, the water, the uh, paper will come off. I've seen inside of some of these campers and motorhomes, the 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 wallpaper that's that's up there against the wall, literally peeling off everywhere. But everything is solid. Literally, the wall is solid. It's just the paper has lost its its adhesive because of the condensation. So fig- learn to figure that one out. Look to make sure that there hasn't been any any uh, quick repairs to hide something. That you know, I don't want you to get the idea that everybody's a crook. But the, I'm, I'm sorry, there's a lot of them out there. So you need to pay attention when you're looking at anything like this. You want it as solid as possible. I always look first. I look on the outside. I open all the cabinets on the outside of the of, of trailer, camper, motorhome, what have you. I open up all the cabinets. I look inside. And again, you're back to the, looking for water rot. You want to make sure there's no soft wood out there. There's, there's Nothing's been damaged. This hasn't been hit. You want to make sure that the cabinets or the... the uh, openings all of them closed firmly so water doesn't get in and hasn't got in you look for previous damage look all over yeah and while you're outside you're going to see where the the uh sewer drain is check that out make sure it functions don't open it because you'll dump whatever's in there all over you check the uh the the water there, there there's be two types of sources for water for all of these units one of them you actually physically fill with a hose and that could be a 20 gallon 40 gallon 80 gallon freshwater tank they call it or there's another uh spigot there not a spigot but a receiver where you would screw in your garden hose if you're hooking up uh, at a at a uh, rest area or at a trailer park that's called city water and if there's a generator like on a motorhome open that hatch and try and start the generator from the outside most generators on, are on motorhomes, and most of them will have a starting button on the inside of the motorhome. But, you know, it's nice to see if you can start it from the outside. So you do an external walk around just to make sure of the physicality of the thing and that it's not rotting and falling apart. Look at the tires. Make sure they're not uh, checked or weather-worn really bad. It gets really dangerous. Some of these, uh, like motorhomes and RVs, sit. They just sit. 365 days a year, they'll sit for 360 and not do anything. So those tires that are in the sun are going to rot. Be aware of that. It's very dangerous to drive on or tow any vehicle that has rotted tires. So you're still looking around the outside for possible damage, water rot, repairs that you're trying to hide something. Then if you can, go up onto the roof. Get up onto the roof. Whether you can or not, you need to get up on a roof. Get a ladder, climb up there, check the roof. Do a visual, look around, see if some if the sealant has started to chip off, if you're going to have to reseal the, the, all the seams up on the top of the roof. Look for repairs up there. I went to a lot just last week, and I was looking at a nice motorhome, and then I got up and looked on the roof, and whoever owned it before had torn the crap out of it. It's like it driven underneath a bunch of trees and all and, and long rips. Oh, but they were repaired with duct tape. It doesn't work. But they were all repaired with duct tape. <laughs> so I knew right away, number one, the roof's going to have to be replaced. And that starts at $1,000. That starts at $1,000. 
And number two, there's no way that I could tell how much water damage was underneath all of those tears. So I, that, that was a, that was instant no. So that's the peripheral and the outside. You look and you check and you look from the top and you look underneath. And you make sure that nothing's broke, nothing's rotted, nothing's rusted out or, or torn or missing or, you know, you have to use some common sense. And then you go inside the trailer and you, or the motorhome or what have you and you do the same thing. Check all the hinges. Make sure the hinges function properly. Check all the drawers. Make sure that they come open. As a matter of fact, under the kitchen area, this is where the sink is, see if you can pull out the drawers that are down at the bottom. And using your flashlight, look in there and make sure that there are no dead mice, rats, squirrels, what have you. Because don't believe me, I found them. And also look and see if you'd see, notice any water damage or water stains. The hot water tank is down in that area and they're very famous. People don't empty them before winter, so they freeze, expand, and burst. And that's probably around three to $500. A lot of times you're going to find people who who think they can pull one over on you and hide all kinds of damage by not unloading their motorhome. I don't even look at anything now. Trailer, camper, motorhome, I don't even look at it if it's not unloaded. You go there and you see all kinds of crap in every single cabinet, every single drawer. You can't see anything. And I tell them, and I told them to their face, well, I'm sorry, apparently you're not ready to sell yet. When you're ready, call me. Well, what do you mean? I'm trying to sell it right now. Well, if you were trying to sell it, why is it still full of all your stuff? You don't you go to a car lot. Do you see a car there with people's crap in it? No. I want to look at this as if I, I'm I buying it and I'm going to drive it home. And on the other hand, I've had a lot of people say, uh, every, whatever's in there, you can have. And we have we've made money that way sometimes. I can tell you right now. That's it's one one place we found hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So you go inside and you make sure you check everything. People will try and hide things from you. They will try and say, oh, yeah, the refrigerator works, honest. Or, yeah, it's uh, winterized, so so uh, you can't check the water or the, or the toilet or any of that stuff. You're taking a risk. You're taking a massive risk. So I want to have everything functioning. I want it plugged in. I want the propane on. I want the refrigerator on so I can tell that it's cold and the freezer is, is freezing. I want to, you want to light all of the, the uh, burners of the stove and the oven to make sure they work. You want to make sure if it's got a microwave, make sure it works. If it's got an air conditioner, make sure it works. Do not listen to the excuses because those are always camouflage so that you don't see what's really wrong. You check the hot water heater, make sure it's on. Check the, the, the uh, faucet in the front. Make sure there's hot water coming out, uh, cold water coming out. Check the, uh, there's a sink in the bathroom. Check that. Flush the toilet a few times. And now a lot of these also have an antenna. You crank up an antenna. So crank up an antenna. It's on a ceiling. You see the crank there. And then it'll rotate, rotate that around. So you're, du- you're just double checking all of the little fine things. Make sure all of the mattresses are there and haven't been rotted out. Check the curtains, make sure they're functional and haven't been broken. Mini blinds is a big thing with a lot of these these uh, trailers and, and motorhomes. A lot of them went to them. They break easily. 
But on the other hand, they're easy to replace. Home Depot and Lowe's has them, and they're and Walmart does too sometimes. Five to ten bucks, twenty bucks max. Or you can do like we do sometimes. When we buy something, we just take all the curtains out of it, and we get uh, black blankets, uh, surplus, military surplus. And then we use those, and we, we create a blackout, literally blackout in the inside. So when we sleep, because we, when we traveled, we were doing, hell, we were doing a million miles a year. And it uh, when you sleep, you want to sleep. You don't want to just lay there and, and you know th- hear, think about all the lights that are happening all around you. Like a rest area. Now you want darkness. So this is the thing with 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 RVs and trailers, motorhomes, campers. They're all the same in this aspect. You're checking for uh, sturdy construction. It's solid. You want to make sure that the door, the actual man door, opens and closes and latches and locks. You want to make sure all the windows move. All the windows open. Everything that can move, you need to move it so that to, to verify that it works. Uh, stoves have a, most of them have a two-piece aluminum or tin cover that un, that folds out and lays on top of them. So you should be able to open it and put it back against the wall. Check those if they have them. Not, not everyone has them. And check all the, again, the cabinets, the drawers. On the drawers, they, they will shake loose, and sometimes you have to remove them, go inside with a little tack hammer, and, and tighten up some of the nails that hold the drawer runners. And always pull out the drawers and look in the back, because I'm very serious. There's things that die, <laughs> and they go back there. Some of the bathrooms have sliding doors instead of opening doors. And I bought a, a motorhome one time, and I could not get the damn door to go all, all the way open. I did not understand that. I, 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 no matter how I did it. So finally one day I said, you know, I'm taking this damn thing off the runner. And I did. And there was two dead mice back there. That's why it wouldn't go all the way back. <clears throat> That's as gross. Now a trick for storing RVs. If you want to keep critters out, you get shower or shower. You get dryer sheets. Just, I don't care if you go to the dollar store and get a box of the dollar dryer sheets. And you stick them under the cabinets Throw a couple up in the in the kitchen cabinets, some in the bottom, under the drawers, under the bed. I mean, all these different places. Mice and rats and rodents hate the smell. They won't even come in there. They won't even come in. And for that matter, if you have a storage area, you know, you rent like a 8 by 20 or something, take the uh, dryer sheets and toss them in there. No mice will come in. It's And it smells a lot better than mothballs, I can tell you right now. So you're checking everything for function. You're checking everything to make sure it works. You're checking everything to make sure that if there has been something repaired, that it's been repaired properly. And it's always good if you talk to the person and ask him some of the mechanical things, like uh, when's the last time you used it? How, what kind of? How's the water pressure? Have you ever had the bearings repacked? If like in a travel trailer, have you had the bearings repacked? How old are the tires? It's questions like that. It's very important that you use some common sense. This is where the majority of us screw up, is we don't use common sense. It's like where the propane tanks are. They're in the front. And they're small ones or tall ones. And if you go up there and you uh, wiggle them around and they flop around like they're ready to fall off, and the guy says, oh, yeah, yeah, you can tighten that up. Well, think to yourself, if you could tighten that up, why the hell didn't he? Or you see these ads for a motorhome. 
And the guy says, oh, yeah, this thing, I only want 10000 for it because it has a broken windshield uh, and it needs a seat belt and a tune-up. And if I do all of that stuff, I'm going to be, I'm going to raise it up to about 15000 Well, it, that is an obvious telltale that he's lying to you because it's not a big deal. Windshield, a couple hundred bucks. Tune-up, a couple hundred bucks. How does that equate to thousands of dollars more if I do it myself type thing? So you got to listen to these people talk and uh, and let them talk. <laughs> because the more they talk, uh, the more they tell you things that, uh, uh, that you want to know. So you need to check all of the systems, all of the systems on the vehicle. And yes, it's winter's just now closing down. So yeah, you're going to maybe find some of these units that have... Uh, that have been winterized. See, there's two ways to winterize an RV. Again, motorhome, trailer, camper, doesn't matter. One is you you uh, replace all the water in all of the water lines and the hot water heater with special RV antifreeze. This is antifreeze that's, that is uh, safe for human consumption if you so choose to. And what that does is it stops anything from freezing. And then when you un you dewinterize, you actually flush everything out. Okay, that's one way. The way I like is I pressurize the system. I drain everything, and then I take the uh, I open the pitcock to the hot water heater, let it drain out, and then I I pressurize the the water system, which blows all the water out. So there is literally no moisture whatsoever anywhere in the system. So there's nothing to freeze. There's nothing to expand because what happens when water freezes, it expands. I had, and I'm not exaggerating, a cup, a cup of water in a hot water heater that I forgot about. And at the end of the winter, it had split the hot water tank about four inches. So what I do is I blow everything out. I open all the valves. I open the pitcock on the hot water tank. Uh, I open. I leave open the drains for the freshwater tank, and I leave the. I mean, I, everything's open, so there is nothing that can expand. There's nothing. We've never had a problem. The only time I've ever had a problem is when I tried to when I winterized it, and I apparently did not winterize enough, and some of the lines burst, and I had to run all kinds of new lines in a camper I had. So I just blow everything out, and you can buy an, ad- an adapter that has a Schrader valve on it, and it screws right on to uh, the filler. Your, or your what's called the city water. It screws onto that, and then you just put like 20 PSI on a compressor on there, open all the valves, and it just blows everything out. And that's, that's the way that I like doing it. Make sure that the keys all work. <laughs> Not just, Okay, every hatch that you have on the outside of an RV, has uh, usually it has, it has two latches. One of them is just a normal latch, and the other one is... You have to have a key for it to function. Make sure all of the key, all of these latches work. Make sure that you have the keys to that too. Sometimes these these latches go bad, and the person will will change it out because you can go buy at Home Depot. You can buy a latch to replace it with. So you got like four different keys for four different uh, cabinets outside. So just make sure you got all the keys. Make sure you got all the equipment you need to function a trailer most trailers by the way to to uh, stabilize them you have these these uh, scissor jacks 
one on each corner. And you have a crank that you put up against it. And you, you crank it real quick and it lowers it down. And then you have a level that you place somewhere in the trailer or mount on the outside of the trailer so you can look at it where you would raise one corner and lower another corner or raise one side, lower one side or what have you to level it. Okay. Well, I bought a trailer before that didn't have the crank. And the guy goes, oh, it's not a big deal. It's universal. Oh, what did I know? It ended up costing me 40 damn dollars because it wasn't universal. So make sure you've got all everything that you're going to need, everything that uh, <laughs> to make this thing work. Now, on a motorhome, it's a little bit different because you're not just buying uh, an, a recreational vehicle. You're now you're also buying a motorized vehicle. So you have to make sure the engine runs. You open up the hood and you smell it. You take it with the engine off and the engine cold. You take the radiator cap off and you look at it and make sure that it's, most of the time it should be green. If it's orange, that means it's got rust in there. If it smells bad, uh, that means there's, there's something wrong inside the motor and don't even mess with it. Pull out the dipstick for the oil. Take a rag, wipe it down, stick it back in, pull it back out. Look at the oil. How filthy is it? Is it clean? Smell it. My grandfather literally tasted uh, antifreeze, tasted oil, tasted the transmission fluid, and he could tell you how many miles on that fluid. I don't go that far. But you pull the oil out, you look at it, look how dark it is, put it between your fingers, your thumb and forefinger, and rub it around and see how much viscosity is there. Check the transmission fluid, pull it out, smell it. If it's burnt, that means it's been badly used and neglected. We looked at a motorhome in Spokane last year, and it was perfect. Except Angie's inside, checking out the inside, and the inside was perfect. Just exactly the way we wanted it. And I'm checking the motor, and I get to the transmission dipstick, and I can't get it out. Going, what the hell? I'm looking for a lock. I can't find it. Finally, I, I switch into my superhuman strength, and I jerk the thing out. It had been frozen in there. The little rubber stopper that holds it in the tube had melted to the tube. For about six inches, the bottom of the dipstick was flakes of fried transmission fluid. So this is an indication that the transmission is shot. And the guy was trying to pass this off as, oh, it's in perfect shape. My parents only used it once a year and all of this crap. The thing wasn't, you couldn't even drive it. The only reason he drove it there was because it was, uh, somebody had uh, started it for him and it got there. Once I, you tried to start it, you couldn't put it in gear because the transmission was fried. So you have to do your own due diligence and look. You look underneath the motor and make sure it has it's not leaking like crazy. My son and I looked at a motorhome, one of these old Lindy's, 1984, 20-footer. Uh, it was nice, nice, beautiful. It looked like it was it was a Class C, little mini Class C, and it looked like it was brand new. And, and he's trying to tell me, he goes, yeah, it's only got 20,000 miles on it. Till I opened the hood. The engine was covered in oil and grease, and underneath was covered in oil and grease. And I looked at the guy and said, what the hell? Dude, if you're going to try and scam somebody and lie to them that it's only 20,000 miles, the least you could have done was steam clean the motor, so I believed you. It's easy to see this guy rolled the, the uh, speedometer back. It was 120,000 miles. And it's also easy to see somebody didn't take care of it, because I don't care how many miles are on it. If it starts to leak oil, you can fix it. It doesn't take a rocket scientist. 
So you get now the idea is you're going to get this thing and use it to bug out in if you have to, or to take off for a little vacation, you know. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that everything functions perfectly on the thing, and then you want to stock it with things. The important things are the just like any other emergency situation, you're going to want to have food. Do not store food in there that uh, are going to call critters to it. So nothing open, okay? I mean, people put packages of potato chips in there and and crackers and and uh, cookies in plastic wrappers, or they eat some of them and then just roll them up and stuff them in the cabinet. Now you're going to get critters in there. You keep you put as much food as you can in there. Now you have storage internally and you have storage externally on all of them, motorhomes trailers, campers. Me personally, on the external cabinets outside, I always put the tools. Uh, you might also want some blocks. Like sometimes you go to an area and your, your motorhome or trailer is not really level uh, and you don't want to do any, any cranking up the corners or something. You can always have these little blocks that you roll it up onto and it, and it levels it. That's, that's something that's individual and every vehicle is a little different. But you want to make sure that you have out there. You're going to want, you're going to want hoses, and you're not going to want garden hoses. You're going to want special RV hoses. See, when you go someplace, if you go to a, a RV park and you park, and you hook up to the water, you're going to be hooked up to the water 24/7. And if the sun's out there, like you go to Reno and you hook up and you run your hose, uh, we ran. A, I didn't know. Nobody taught me. Put a garden hose, hooked it up to the faucet, and hooked it up to my city water inlet on the side of my trailer. And four hours later, I, my trailer, I had a fountain. It was just washing my trailer. And my hose had exploded. It's not made to hold pressure in the heat. RV trailers are made to hold pressure in the heat and in the sun. So make sure you have two or three RV uh, hoses. Now, I do have another thing on the drain on the outside. You have... Um, you have a cap. Uh, you have a sewage that you can you can drain, and uh, what they call gray water, which is the shower and the, the sink, washing dishes, that kind of stuff. Now, what you can do, you can get a cap that goes on this four-inch pipe that the main is the main drain that has a little. Uh, it has like a faucet thread bib on it, so you could screw on an actual garden hose. So if you're going to park somewhere and you're going to be using water in the shower and for washing dishes and stuff, you can drain it just by getting this little adapter that goes on the, the sewer drain that has a little tiny faucet hook connection there. And then you run a garden hose. Now, I this is the only time you use a garden hose, a normal hose. And I, had, I have white tape wrapped around it called uh, sewer. And I run that out into toolies or into the gutter or into a drain or something. And then I open up the gray water, not the black water. The black water is the sewer. I open the gray water and I can drain that water directly out. So that's, that's just a little ad- adapter you can buy. You also want to have an extension cord, uh, but a trailer draws 30 to 50 amps. So you don't want a normal extension cord. You want a thick, heavy-duty one. Uh, all motorhomes and trailers and campers they have what's called shore and boats have this too it's called a shoreline this is the electrical line that they would pull out of the boat and hook up onto the shore these things are three prong it looks like a 220 dryer plug well they make adapters so that you can hook this into 110 
Now, when it's hooked into 110, you cannot run your air conditioner because air conditioners pull too much amperage. Most 110 are about 15 amps. Air conditioner is going to run 20 to 30 amps. You will fry your electrical system or you will melt the electrical uh, cable. So you just have to use some common sense again. Know what you're doing before you do it. Most of the vehicles that you buy, the RVs that you buy, are going to have manuals with them. If not, you can buy a manual. The one that I have is uh, RVs for dummies. <laughs> Works really good. Works really good. You So you, you're, you're going to want to pack this RV with as much stuff as you can. While you're doing so, remember that there are weight limits, and there's reasons behind that. So you're going to want food in there. You're going to want clothing. You're going to want bedding. You're going to want tools. All of these things are individual, and uh, it's up to you to, to decide what you want. And then you're going to want, obviously, to put first aid equipment in there. You're going to want make sure you got seasoning and pots and pans and dishes and, you know, and all the normal stuff. This is a home. Pretend it's an apartment. Pretend it's an apartment that you're going to use if the Schumer hits the fan and you need to take off up to the great northwest. And obviously, you're going to put any guns and ammo that you want in there and realize that, uh, you know, if you cross certain borders, they're going to want to inspect you. So you're, this is all up to you. What you do with these things is up to you. But I'm just giving you some general guidelines that you can do it. And one of the important things is whatever you buy, you scour that thing. Clean it top to bottom. And if you have a little small steam cleaner, steam clean all the upholstery, steam clean the mattresses, steam clean everything. Even the seats, the driver's seat, passenger seat. You know, you, there's a lot of, there's more to it than, than what I can give you in a 30-minute in a period. But anyway, I hope I gave you enough information to uh, pique your interest. And if everything is just going to keep slowly going down the tubes like it is, I'm going to try and take next weekend off. But if we got good intel, if if, if uh, something really bad's going on, I'll be making sure that uh, I'll be here. But i got to take some time off. I haven't had time off for so long. It's ridiculous. Anyway, this, uh, this is the Armchair Survivalist signing off. Uh, you guys want to buy stuff from us, you better hurry. you better hurry up. This is what's happening all over the United States. Stores are closing. We're going to be the last dogs out the gate, I can tell you right now. If you walk into my store, you're going to smell the ozone because I've got an ozone generator running 24-7. Anything that is is bigger than a pea die or smaller than a pea is dead before you get in here because it kills all known pathogen. Uh, we're going to stay open as long as we can. We've got a pallet of colloidal silver coming, and that is like a mainstay. Yes, we have to limit what you buy on the, on the antivirals, including our daily vitamin, because that is very, very powerful, and it uses some antiviral uh, nutritionals in it. But you can call us at 800-753-1981. We'd be more than happy to talk to you about it, whatever you need. SurvivalEnterprises.com, SE1.us. Go to ArmchairSurvivalist.com. Listen to me live. Listen to me on, on your smartphone. Uh, do it. Yeah, you know, whatever. You guys take care. Uh, be very careful. Learn the difference between truth and BS, because that's what we get from all the mainstream media. And Fox News is not that far off of mainstream media, I can tell you that. So uh, keep your nose in the air and your ear to the ground. 